Hi, and welcome to the podcast from Knox Presbyterian Church in McDonald's Corners, Ontario. Knox is part of a three-church charge between Elfin, Snow Road, and McDonald's Corners. Each Sunday, there's a 9.30 a.m. service in Elfin or Snow Road, and then again at Knox in McDonald's Corners. If you are able to join us next week, we'd love to see you at one of our services. If not, we hope this reaches you wherever you are. This audio recording is from the 11 a.m. service with Pastor Philip Roblard. For more information, please contact us on our Facebook page. James and Mildred Harper, Alex and Nellie Camelon, Bob Harper, John, John Jackson, Tom and Maxine Sproul, Keith and Hazel Cameron, Ernie and Earl Nixon, and all our loved ones are all the new names added this week. Thank you. Which reader do you want to be? You'll be two. Okay. 
Our souls magnify the Lord. Our souls rejoice in God, our Savior. Waters shall break forth with joy in the wilderness. There will be streams in the desert. But, but as we see the wilderness suffer, rivers fires rage, how, how can we feel joy, joy when the world goes to such sorrow? In times of suffering, Jesus asks us to shine with pure, clear light. We light the candle of joy to brighten the world, to lift up the lowly and fill the hungry with good things. Come, Lord Jesus, and kindle joy in our lives. Shine in our lives whenever we feel discouraged. To strengthen our trust in you. Give us wisdom to respond to suffering with commitment sustained by joy. That our faith will just shine in the world you love. As we wait for you, Jesus, we will shine with hope and work for peace with joyful hearts. And it's so nice to have Hazel back. We've missed you. And uh, Ruth, of course, is recovering. How's your knee doing? Good. Good. Well, I'll tell you, we're, it's nice to see people coming back. And we, of course, have uh, John home from, uh, from school. Nice to have him home. Together, let us... Uh, uh, sing that little chorus. The first one is 141, Good Christians Now Rejoice, in your hymn books. seated for that because it's a it's a wonderful rousing chorus number 133 did Joel come prepared I did well let's have Joel well do you want me to just do this one pardon you, no, no. This one? you got some on, on in the works don't you okay well it was decided when we got here <laughs> all right Well, before we do uh, go tell it on the mountain, um, this morning we had planned to sing Joy to the World because it's Christmas in our house and has been for multiple weeks now. Uh, but the kids decided that they wanted to really do the uh, glow. Oh. You can all do it with us. Angels we have heard on high. Hymn number 147. And, uh, and 
I don't think we can stay seated for this. You need to stand up and and uh, and stretch out. Okay. Angels, we have heard of high, sweetly singing o'er the plains and the to the 19th um, and that probably was my fault it's supposed to be Joel's sister who's going to be speaking on January the 19th and she's better looking anyway Much better. <laughs> so she will be on deck on the 19th and uh, we will be someplace where it's hot so uh, we'll think of you though This morning, as we have all our kids down here, this is great. I'm so glad you're up here. Um, we're going to sing uh, uh, Seated, Go Tell It on the Mountain, number 133.
tell me what the word joy means? Happiness. Happiness. Yes, that's really good. Right off the bat. What does it mean to you, any of the other kids? Just happiness? Joy. Joy is joy, that's right. We all eat. You know when I'm joyful, you know I'm the joyfulest? When I go to the uh, mall, the Bayshore Mall, and watch the kids visit Santa Claus. They're having fun. Right? Will any of you go see Santa Claus? Or are you already gone? I'm already gone. You've already gone. Are you going to see Santa Claus? No? Okay. You, so you'll just tell me what you want for Christmas. And then I can I can tell Santa Claus. <laughs> well, we're so glad to have you here because you know, Christmas is all about children. It's not about adults. Though we'd like to think it is. But it's all about children. Because Jesus came not as somebody fully grown, but he came as a baby. And he came for one purpose and one purpose alone, to give us four things that all of us need. And what have we learned so far these Sundays? We've heard about hope, right? And we've learned about peace and joy. Joy is so necessary in our lives because it separates us from many people in the world who have no joy. I remember uh, meeting someone a number of years ago who was like a teenager, maybe 13, 14, and they, had, they just didn't smile. And so I said to them, I said, so why don't you smile? And the young person told me why. Because, um, because of what had happened a number of years ago, to a 13-year-old, you know, a number of years ago, maybe three years ago. To you guys, it's like a few months, right? You had something happen to you a few months ago, a few weeks ago. And it seems like it was eons ago, because you haven't lived that long yet. And neither had this, this little guy. And so he told me why, and I, so I said to him, I said, well, I, you know what, I can't do a thing for you, but I know somebody who can. And so I prayed with him, and about four weeks later, it wasn't because I prayed with him, it just happened to be in the church. And I prayed with him, when, when I was done, he looked up at me and he said, something's happened to me, and I don't know what it is. I said, well, you think about it. And for weeks, he kept coming to Sunday school with a smile on his face. So, you know, but G and, and he finally told me what had happened. He said, I, I think I asked Jesus in my heart. And I said, that's a good thing. And he said, yeah, that's a good thing. So he began to smile, and the joy was on his face. And that's so important for us to understand that when Jesus Christ came, he bring, came to bring everyone. Joy on their faces. Happiness on their faces. In order that we can project to the rest of the world, we can show the rest of the world, people we come in contact with, our friends at school, our friends in our neighborhood, we can show them that Jesus lives in us. And the result is joy. Happiness. And it shows on their faces. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for our kids. <coughs> Thank you so much that you've blessed us with, with such wonderful kids. They're the best there is. And we have them right here in McDonald's Corners. And we ask, Lord, that you be with them as they go to their own children's church. Be with them and bless their lives. Through Christ over we pray. Amen. Have a great time. Their enthusiasm, right? Man, wish I had half of it. Um, so I want us to turn to Carol number one nineteen. We've been singing.
hope is a star, and then peace is a star. Peace and then today's joy. 119. scripture reading and uh, John's going to come and read from Luke's gospel chapter 2 verses 8 to 20. Prepare our hearts O God to receive the joy of your word. Silence in us any voice but your voice of joy. By hearing may we also portray joy unspeakable through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. To, to you he is Christ, the Lord this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths laying in a manger. Suddenly, the great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left and gone to heaven, the shepherds said, to one another. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what happened, had been told to them about this child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Thank you, John. As, as we are having a Sunday school upstairs this morning, because of uh, well, put it this way, our Laura Auditorium is uh, in transit. <laughs> and uh, we're looking forward to it uh, being completed. I know Josh has had a part in this and uh, a number of others. So we're really grateful to the Lord this is happening. Um, but our kids are upstairs. And uh, so I've got to make it that much better as a sermon. Hopefully I can, I can rise to the occasion. But is there any more any more wonderful and beautiful thing 
than the excitement of kids. Like they've got it. They know what joy is. And we might not be able to say, um, you know, exactly how it would affect us if we had it. But it does affect us if we have it. <clears throat> I, I love this, the excitement that, that this season gives us. It's an exciting time of year. I love the joy. I love to see the, 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 uh, the excitement in the eyes of kids. They are so precious. And at this time of the year, I begin to understand once again why it's more blessed to give than to receive. Because it is. Most of us remember the joy we felt at Christmas, we feel at Christmas time. You know, we get to watch movies like, oh, one of my favorites is, uh, uh, what's it called? Christmas on 34th Street, or The Parade, whatever it's called anyway. It's a great movie. I was watching it the other night, uh, and I think I've seen that thing a hundred times. Well, maybe 80. But, uh, but I've always enjoyed it. Because it's such a good movie. And uh, you always feel good after you've finished watching it. There are others too at this season of the year. All kinds of them. But the carols do something for me. I have the carols on all day long. My wife says, uh, could we not have dinner without the carols? I said, no, that's, 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 that's part of be, sitting down to dinner. Right? Carols. Wonderful pieces. They put joy into our hearts. You know, we sing such songs, and we're going to be singing at the end of our service, Joy to the World, the Lord has Come. I will never forget, though, the story of Erwin. He was a little guy. Actually, he was growing quite a bit because he had, he had always been cast as Joseph in the, in, the, in the Christmas pageant, in the nativity scene. But this year, all things had changed and he was given a minor role as the innkeeper and he thought, I'm gonna have some fun with this. So when the evening of the big performance came, Erwin was ready. And so here's Joseph and Mary entering the, 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 the platform and knocked on the door of the inn. And Erwin opened the door a crack and eyed them rather coldly. And so Joseph speaks up, can you allow us to lodge at your, at your place for the night? Joseph pleaded. And Joseph was expecting, of course, the innkeeper to answer gruffly, sorry, there's no room, go away. But instead, Erwin flung the doors open and announced, come on in, come on in. You'll have the best room in the house. Well, there was a pause, and young Joseph wasn't expecting this response. And so he, he uh, had great presence of mind, though. He said, hold it. I need to take a look inside first. He peered past the innkeeper, went pa pushed past him and announced, I'm not putting my wife in a place like this. Come on, Mary, we're going to sleep in the stable. And I thought to myself, you know, that's the way to do it. And of course, the plot was back on track. But I thought to myself, you know, we ought to add little things that, that will give us an element of surprise. Because that certainly did. That's not exactly, after all, how the first Christmas unfolded. For it wasn't by choice that Mary's baby was born in such a lowly environment. But it was God's plan. Why? Because his plan is for everyone, and so all can come. I, was all, I will always remember the story of a young man, and you will know his name after I finish talking to him, who was born into a lowly family. God called him into ministry. He was born, of course, puny. He was frail all his days. Later on, as a pastor, he wasn't able to to uh, visit his growing congregation. I said this morning that I was talking to uh, Mark Scar at Woodvale and uh, Woodvale Church in, on Green Bank Road. And he told me that, that they just surpassed 5,000 members. <laughs> uh, and I thought, 5,000 members? I said, Mark, 
you are an amazing guy. I said, how many visits did you make last week? And I think he told me somewhere over 40 visits he'd made the week before. And I thought, that's humanly impossible, isn't it? He laughed. He said, no, not the way I do it. Anybody could do it. And I think to myself, we ought to be educating pastors to be like him. He's only there for five minutes. But my, if you're having surgery on any given morning, Mark Scar is in your room as they're prepping you, has quick prayer with you and leaves. And uh, does that four, five, six times, because you know when you have that big congregation, it's bound to be somebody having surgery, right? And he does just that, or somebody in a hospital. He visits my sister, who, who's 83, who is suffering from dementia. And sometimes she doesn't know who he is. And yet he's been her pastor for years. I mean years. I'm talking from the time they, her and her husband were in their 30s till now. So probably 50 years. And yet he'll come to visit her and she'll look at him a bit suspiciously and she'll let him in. But you know that she's quite, Mark said, you know she's quite apprehensive. And you know, I think to myself, that's, that's the way caring pastors work. There aren't enough of them around. And uh, I often think that if we could get them educated by men like Mark Scar, or even be exposed to people like that, parish ministry would be a whole lot better off. You know, I, I always remember this, this particular man who was sick all of his life, but he wrote letters filled with hope and good cheer. When he was younger, he complained about the terrible hymns. Has anybody heard of a dirge? I, I know music people might. It's the worst, awfulest piece of music you've ever heard. And I remember one morning in my church in Toronto, the, the largest of the churches, and our music director played this dirge. And I went to him afterwards, I said, that was the most depressing, awful piece of music I've ever heard anybody do. Don't ever do that or I'll fire you. And I was serious, it was awful. It hurt your ears, let alone bring any kind of praise or encouragement to God. But the fact remains that, that this particular man sent notes to his people while he was laid up himself and gave them all kinds of hope. Anyway, he decided, he told his parents how awful the hymns were. They were slow and, and had no energy in them. And so his dad said, well, then why don't you write a better one? And he did this, that. He wrote, as a matter of fact, over 600 hymns of praise. We'll be singing one a little later on that you might, might know about. His name was Isaac Watts. And he wrote, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. A man who was sick most of his days would get up into the pulpit knowing that he was very weak. Yet every Sunday morning he was there in his pulpit only missed about a dozen Sundays in all of his ministry to touch the lives of his people and make sure that they were encouraged and built up in their most holy faith. That's authentic joy. When you sing that hymn, this morning we sang it in, the, in Elfin and we're going to be singing it af, af, a little after this, but you come away and you say, man, that, that hymn does something for me. It, it excites me, it encourages me, it gives me a, a sense of, of joy, unbridled joy. Well, this story that we're talking about was a story about a lonely little couple traveling because they had to. They had to go and be registered in the town in which they were born. 
That's the only way they could keep track of you. And, jo- and, and uh, Joseph and his wife made their way to this little town of Bethlehem. As I said last week, only about 400 people lived in the town at that time. Thousands live there today, but back then, they called it little town of Bethlehem. And as, uh, as the hymn writer wrote it, I thought, yeah, it definitely was then. But the fact remains that, that people who have it all are spiritual zeros. I've discovered that over time. But those people who struggle through life have a depth that, of in, the, in their spiritual lives that is almost elusive. Let's talk about it, what it meant in this account. Because the fact is that the lowliest people were there. I'm glad that God didn't send his angels to the kings, a king of a, of, a, of, a, of a nation. I'm glad he didn't send it to all of those that were aristocracy or noble people. I'm glad he sent it to the lowliest job. Now, you know, you know shepherds aren't much. I'll never forget when we were out on the, in the deserts just around Israel up in the mountains of Jerusalem. And there was... Uh, a, a number of, of um, people that that's all they did 24 hours 365 days of the year sheep would wander in and out of their tents and wander all over the place and they'd go and gather them up if they got too far away and you can smell a shepherd at about 100 feet you know what I'm saying it wasn't the greatest occupation it was pretty hard out in the desert to have a bath Yet these men, and they were men, would go out into the fields and they would nurture those, uh, those uh, sheep that they had. And I'm always amazed at the fact that they did it 24 hours a day, 365 days of the year. There were no breaks for shepherds, unless, of course, they took the flock with them wherever they were going. That still demanded of them work. They were there 24-7. The fact is that it was amongst the lowliest of people at that time. Lowliest of population. After all, you didn't need a whole lot of intelligence to be a shepherd. I suppose, though, when you think of common sense, (laughs) common sense is uh, not too common. But that's what they needed, common sense and a bit of courage. Because sometimes their sheep would get them into terrible circumstances. But God revealed his plan, his plan to the shepherds. And as those angels were standing there, one of them said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people, for to you, he said it, to you, this day is born in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And you're going to find him as a baby in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. I'm so glad that God brought his message of hope to the lowest, the lowliest of people. Can you imagine them sitting around with some of the travelers of the day? And uh, one of the travelers would say, well, you know, I've been a lot of places. I I saw the pyramids of Egypt. And another one would brag, well, I saw Caesar in Rome as he rode in after a great conquest. I watched him on his steed uh, traveling in to the the, uh, city of Rome. And then the lowly shepherds say, well, that's nothing. I actually saw the Savior of the world, the King, in a lowly manger lying there as a baby. We've got much more to brag about than you do. And you know, that's, that's, what, that's the joy of the good news of Jesus Christ. For the fact is that God... Through his light produces all kinds of gifts of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, hope, 
which we are all called to give and then to share with the people all around us. That even the lowliest of people can be elevated to a place of importance. Why? Because they then become children of God. Christmas teaches us that God's joy is available for all. Joy that shines through the ages. The th third thing that we must realize as a result of that joy is that God had a plan to give us a king. Not a king for one nation or two nations or, or a few nations, but the entire world, past, present, and future. Uh, and future. I'll never forget the story. I got to read the story just a short time ago of John Jacob Niles. Many years he served as a missionary in the Appalachian Mountains amongst the Appalachian, uh, they call them natives in, in, the, uh, in the book that I was reading. But the fact remains that he served there for many years. And while he was serving, he, came, he was looking for traditional pieces that maybe the people sang. And uh, all of a sudden, he was, he was walking along when he heard a young voice, and she was young. And uh, she was singing a song that maybe a lot of you don't know, but it's number 142 in your hymn books. I wonder as I wander. And so he went over to the little girl and he said to her, where did you, where did that hymn come, where did that carol come from? And she didn't know much about carols, but she said, my mother every day sang that for me until I learned it. Because that's what her mother did for her. And who knows how long it's been around. But these are the words that he brought into being, he brought from this little girl. Number 140, I wonder as I wander out under the sky how Jesus the Savior did come for to die for poor ordinary, well it's ornery actually, <laughs> ornery people like you and like I, I wonder as I wander out under the sky. And of course all the verses are meaningful but the, the third one, if Jesus had wanted for anything, any wee thing, a star in the sky or a bird on the wing, or all of God's angels in heaven for to sing, he surely could have it, because he was king. And whenever I think of this time of the year, we ought to take moments, as often as we can, many moments, and realize that we are a blessed people, that we are children of God, that we have a king who loves us, not just rules us. I thank God that this is the time of the year when we prepare to receive him. Every time I think of it and I anticipate Advent, I say to myself, Lord God, what can I do? I have a, a nephew who's also a pastor in another denomination, and he said to me, you know, I never realized there was any such thing as Advent. I said, what? He said, well, you know, I believe, you know, Sunday before Christmas, I, I preach on Christmas. He said, but all of a sudden I discovered this thing called hope, peace, joy, and love. And of course, then at the center of it all is the Christ candle. And he said, for the first year, this year, I'm following Advent. And I think to myself, that's kind of sad because... Advent actually prepares us to receive Christ in body, in spirit, in mind, in order that he can take control over us. As I think of the fact that Niles wrote this down many years ago, of course, on a little tablet. We're not talking about my, my computer here, incidentally. We're talking about a tablet that, that would have been made of... Uh, of slate with a, maybe a little wood around it and, and, and the only thing to write with is of course chalk and yet that's all he had I'm very grateful to have this tablet over the chalkboard but the fact remains that here was a, a song written 
years before, still paid homage and prepared people's hearts and lives to receive Christ as their king. Advent is a time of preparation for receiving our Lord as our king. And may the hope and peace and joy light up our lives today. Christmas will be so much more than we could have imagined. Let's pray. Gracious God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunities that you have afforded us to receive you as our Savior and Lord and King. I ask you, Lord, today that we will pause and, and, and sing for joy as we serve you. For we are called by you to serve you in order that we might rise up from all of the mundane things that sometimes we're involved in and realize that every day is a gift from God through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. This time we're going to give you the opportunity to worship the Lord with your giving. The Lord bless you as you give. gifts Lord after all they come from you in the first place use them for the ongoing work of your kingdom both here at home and around the world through Christ we pray Amen Thank you, you may be seated We're going to go to the Lord in prayer on behalf of the needs of our congregation I uh, just want to let you know that uh, uh, thank you very much first of all for the lovely card that I received from you as a congregation for uh, in the loss of my brother um, I didn't preach my brother's funeral. I, I organized it all. I even put the order of service together. Uh, my brother, my younger brother, who's also a pastor, said to me, you know, I've, I, even though I've been in, in ministry for quite a while now, I still don't do very many funerals. I said, well, I don't know whether to feel sorry for you or not, but um, the fact remains we'll put it together. I'll put it together. So I did. But I, I, I told somebody at Alphen, and I, and I mean it, it's not, it's not derogatory, it's just that my brother was not a nice guy, so I decided that if I had to preach a sermon, I would be in trouble. I couldn't say really a lot of nice things, except that he did introduce me to my wife. <laughs> and for that I am eternally blessed. But uh, my brother lived a great life. Uh, he lived 81 years. And, um, and uh, was healthy all his life. I mean, you know, when we talk about getting up every day and never have, I can't ever him remembering, I can't remember him ever having a cold, uh, let alone anything else. And he didn't take any vitamins and he didn't take any medication and uh, kind of annoying really. Uh, and let you know that he was healthy. Anyway, the fact remains that uh, it, it was a wonderful funeral. It was a very victorious one, but it was really interesting. His pastor, because he's lived in the Ottawa Valley all his life, spoke. He was the, he was the preacher. And uh, he, said to, he said to everybody, now, you know, Albert could be difficult. <laughs> Prickly. I believe that's one of the words he used. And he comes to me after the funeral, and he said, 
I, I hope I didn't offend you by saying that. I said, no, because I would have had to say the same thing and I'd rather you say it than me. And so we all laughed about it afterwards as we were enjoying the food that was brought in for us. But I thought to myself, you know, the fact remains that um, he produced a really fine son. The son's name is Sean. He's a preacher of the gospel. He's a pastor in Vernon. They call him lead pastor because he's got multiple staff. And, um, and uh, I thought to myself, you know, God has a real sense of humor because he can take what we think isn't much and produce a fine young man uh, because I, his parents didn't come, my brother didn't come to really know the Lord until his later years. His wife, after she had cancer, gave her life to Jesus Christ. And, uh, and I thought to myself, you know, so it all turned out really well. But um, Sean is the shining star in it all. And he really reflects that when the presence of God takes over your life, you touch people in a magnificent way that you could never imagine. So my brother had the privilege of moving out, always lived in the Ottawa Valley until the last year and a half, moved out to Vernon, British Columbia, and spent time with his son and uh, his wife and three children. And one of the children just has recovered from leukemia, the youngest, and God miraculously has healed him. And uh, he's a wonderful boy. His name is William, and uh, I love him. But you watch his whole family. They are all the epitome of all the wonderful things you can imagine in a person. And to think they had a grandfather like my brother is really amazing. And it says to me, you know, that God does things and picks us out of all kinds of situation and uses us no matter what we've come out of or where we've come from in order that his glory might come about. And my nephew, Sean, is one of the most joyous people you'll ever meet. And so anyways, he was telling me, he sent me a text this morning. He said, uh, Philip, I'm, I'm really glad we had this time together. He said, uh, I can hardly wait to get to church and talk about the joy that Christ gives us as his children. Well, you know, God does some amazing things. I'm always, I'm always amazed that he would work through a person like me. And yet, that's how gracious he is. And so if he can work through a person like me, he can work through anybody. And so there's hope for us all, isn't there? Because God is a gracious, loving God, and he wants us to experience his joy. Well, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. There's a number of requests um, uh, that we have, and so let's bring them to him. Let us pray. Gracious God, we come to you and thank you for the way you've raised up George. We thank you for the way you've touched him. We think of Ruth, who's here this morning, and we thank you, Lord, that you've been with her all the way through uh, the first knee and then now the second. And we give you thanks for Terry, Lord. Lord, we know that uh, she is laboring under tremendous pain. And yet, Lord, you are a God of miracles. You are a God who loves us. And I pray, Lord, that you will visit her today again. I pray that every morning, Lord, but I pray that you'd visit her again and draw her onto yourself. I pray, Lord, also for Sylvia and Betty and Joyce and Rob and Bob. We thank you for the progress Bob is seeing, for Stan and Morgan and Nick. We ask, Lord, to touch each of their bodies and visit them this morning as only you can. Can you think of those wonderful people who are shut-ins? Judith and Rita and Norma and Audrey and Dawn and Donna and Lori. Lord, you know each one of them so much better than we could ever imagine. Would you please be with them? May they sense your presence and know that you are there with them. 
Give them the strength that they need in order to live each day. Lord, we pray for our government and ask you, Lord, to give them wisdom at this time. We ask that you'd guide them. And Lord, most of all, that they would ask for your help. And now, Lord, as we come to the close of our service, Lord, I pray that your blessing would rest upon each one of us. Amen. Well, we're going to sing that uh, wonderful hymn, uh, Joy to the World, that Isaac Watts wrote so many years ago. Number 153. from this place giving thanks for the joy that only he can give. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, love of God, and fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit rest on each one of you now and evermore. And may the hope, the peace, and the joy of Christ be yours. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning into this week's service. Again, we would love to have you join us at one of our two Sunday morning services. First at 9.30 in either Elfin or Snow Road. We alternate week week after week throughout the summer. And then in the winter, we're only in Elfin. And then again at 11 a.m. in McDonald's Corners. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook or call us at the number in the bulletin. We hope to hear from you soon, and we hope that this message has reached you wherever you are. Mm -hmm.